welcome in to another edition of the Return of Roar podcast. Chris Watkins, Frankie Cardicelli joining you as always. I know it's been a while. Uh, we did upload um, our segment on Kings Weekly. Frank Frank joined me for uh, this Saturday on Kings Weekly, uh, which you can check every Saturday at 11 o'clock right here on Sacktown Sports 1140. Uh, Frank joined me and we uploaded that uh, to our podcast feed. So that was the last time you heard us. But before that, it was preseason. We have not talked uh, officially on on this podcast, on the record, uh, since since the preseason, since things got tipped off. And uh, since then, we really have I, – I don't want to say we've, we haven't missed anything, but we have not missed any fun times. Uh, the Kings are obviously starting 0-3 uh, to start this season with losses to the Blazers uh, and then losing a back-to-back – uh, this past weekend with the Clippers and the Warriors, Frank. Just you know, let's let's get into things. What are your What are your general thoughts after after the first three games? Chris, good to be back in here in the studio oh, with you. Uh, first of all, I'm very happy. I'm wearing a sweatshirt and pants. It's like 44 degrees in this. this I'm also studio. glad that you're deciding to wear a sweatshirt. And pants. Oh yeah, pants were a big one today. Uh, good to have basketball back. First and foremost, really exciting just to see. Like I'm looking at the schedule for today's games, and we have Suns Warriors tonight at seven that we can actually watch. So that's kind of fun just to see those kind of games pop up again. Um, as far as the Kings go, yeah, I mean, zero and three is not an ideal start to the season. I think once we all kind of looked at the schedule, though, we knew that it was going to be a rough couple of weeks. You know, right. things definitely do not get easier for them in the coming days. They have the Grizzlies on Thursday, they have the Miami Heat on Saturday, and then they go on an East Coast road trip. So. Uh, things do not look like they're going to get any easier for the next couple of weeks, but that's the way the NBA goes, and the Kings hopefully can break through one of these games coming up. Uh, but I, I, I haven't really been discouraged by too much over the first three games. I mean, 0-3 is a bummer. The free throw shooting has been horrible, which we'll talk about that later. But just before we get into like the specifics, my overall vibe on the Kings is I'm, I'm not panicked. I expected them to be 1-2 and two at this point. Would have loved they could have stole one of the first couple of games. Um, is it your jet your jet engine? Yeah, sorry, I don't laptop? know if anyone can hear that, but my laptop is in a perpetual state of being ready to take off. Um, Seven forty seven. Like, yeah, like it sounds like a Boeing aircraft. So if you can hear that revving engine, it. it's it's uh, it's my laptop. How do you feel about the Kings, though? I mean, people are pan. I don't know, yeah. I don't know if panic is the right word, but I really, I guess I shouldn't say people. Right. I'm a small group of people that I've fanatics. seen. Yeah, or like saying, well, here we go again. It's the same old Kings. Right. It's like, you know, if you are really looking at these past couple of games where they lose by, I think, seven on opening night, mm-hmm. lost by one the next night, they lose by five against the Warriors. 14 total points. In over three games. Three games I, and you know that they had they sh- they should have beat Portland. Right. That's fair. Let's I start think, with that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you right there. I think, to me, that's where the only real real disappointment stems obviously the free throws are incredibly disappointing but uh the, you know again i i've said this a couple times now but i really firmly believe that the clippers and the warriors are going to be the two teams playing coming out of the west in, in that are playing in april in the western conference finals so for the kings to lose on a back to back uh and even you know going it's it's whatever it's an hour and a half drive but the team took a bus uh, following that Clipper game to the Warrior game on a back-to-back. And, yeah, they, you know, we could talk about the 89 for first half points at some point, but they made it a five-point game. And, and it was, they could have potentially stolen that game at the end uh, if things go a little bit differently. But 
for them to come out of that two-game trip and, you know, you competed against two excellent teams. And again, I know caveat Kawhi Leonard um, and John Wall didn't play on Saturday either, but you got to play who's in front of you. And the Clippers are still, I mean, the Clippers are probably the deepest team in the league. Well, you know who played, right? Paul George Paul played. George sure as hell played. And he yeah. scored, a, what, a 40 piece, a 40 burger? 40 like, so- burger. Didn't matter who we put on him. The dude could not be stopped. So I'm saying, you look at how the first couple of games went, and it wasn't necessarily the things like on the floor that were, I mean, the free throws are, to me, you can't group that into how the team was performing on right. on offense and defense. Right. You know, obviously free throws are part of offense. I understand that. Right. Not an idiot. But... It's like special teams in football. Yeah, it's like special, it's like special it's teams. Offense, They're defense, blowing teams. it. 68% opening night. I believe the next game against the Clippers was even worse. I have to look at it. It's right here. Uh, against the Clippers in game two, they missed 11 free throws, yep. 57%. There's your game. Lose by two points. You know so, how many they missed uh, against the Warriors? How many? Five. You know how many they lost by? Five. Five. Again, not saying, you know, you can't expect well, to make every free throw in a game, but... Those sure. are the kind of things, if, you know. If you were to look at the first three losses and kind of, if I had to kind of sum them up one by one, like in a couple of words, number one would be not Dame. By those words, I mean you let Jeremy Grant beat you and Anthony Simons. Right. Number two would be Paul George or free throws. Right. Number three would be Steph Curry. Wardell. These are all like two-word responses. If Steph Curry doesn't explode for 30 in the first half – Kings probably have a good chance of winning that game. Right. And I think that you look at what happened and it's so hard to be to think just well someone needs to go put a body on him, go throw Casey Paul at him, go throw I they did. They threw kind of everything they could at Steph Curry. And that's not really a Kings problem, that's an NBA problem. This man is Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's no, ever Steph Curry is a problem. Been able to just stop right. him. So these aren't cop outs and silver linings say hey they're playing good basketball. We should all be happy. I'm just saying it's not like last year and the Kings are out there and you're saying, "Wow, these guys look like they're lost. They don't look like they're ha- they having any. They're having any kind of cohesion. They look like they're just doing one on one hero ball stuff. Like there's nobody that's really standing out and, and playing good basketball." De'Aaron Fox, as we talked about um, a lot last season, had a very bad start to the season. Not the case. We'll get into his numbers in a little bit. But has anything kind of stuck out to you? I guess is there what? What is the thing that has stuck out to you the most? positively and negatively? Like, what is the thing that you look at and you are most encouraged by and discouraged by? Well, two things seem equally positive to me, and that's De'Aaron Fox's two-way play through three games. Granted, grain of salt. But just the way that he's been playing, the the aggressive nature in which he's been playing the pass lanes, I feel like every single game that the Kings have played this year, all three, uh, De'Aaron has had at least one, like, Cross court, you know, the other team's trying to throw cross court. It's kind of a lazy pass. De'Aaron picks it and goes on the fast break the other way. Like, that's the kind of stuff, you know, De'Aaron, it's it's tough to be an on-ball lockdown defender. Um, you know, like Dave, Davion, to his credit, is a very good on-ball lockdown defender. Uh, De'Aaron struggles with that sometimes. I mean, even though he has the speed to to keep up with most people, he he gets blown by a lot and he gets beaten back door all the time. But I have liked to see the aggressive nature um of his defense and he's really I think he's really taken that uh personally this season and, and really wants to be a two way player. So that's something I've absolutely been in love with, honestly, the past the past three games. Uh the other is the obvious bright spot and that's Keegan Murray. I mean 
I'll be the first to admit, and I think I said it when we did take him, if Keegan Murray ends up being great, I'll be the first to admit, like, yeah, he's really good and I was wrong. This is me coming out and saying, yeah, he's great, I was wrong. I'll do the same thing because I, I think we all were in that media room or the well, the practice facility on, on draft night and just at a table. I won't say I was completely devastated and, and upset, but I was definitely un, I was not pleased when they announced the pick. I really, really wanted the Kings to obviously go in a different direction. Player, I will not. Yes. I don't think I need to name him, but I, I think we, we all. I, I know will who. say that also. Uh, yeah, I mean, to to your point of we were all down on draft day in that media room. Um, the <laughs> the phrase worst one of the worst nights in Kings history was was thrown out that night. All because of, or I'll say his name, Jaden Ivey. And I, I mean, how has he even been playing? I, I know that he had a good He's debut. Good. He's been good, pretty good for sure. Jaden Ivey is a seventeen five and six, fifty percent from the field, forty five from three. Right. It's a loaded draft class. Right. I think we can agree it's a loaded draft class. But honestly, you gave your positives. Like I, I, I think we had the same positive. I, I think there's not really much. I mean, I guess is where I kind of said we. Have, I guess we're a little negative. Is there's not really much more positives right. coming from the team other than De'Aaron Fox and Keegan Murray. I, you know, you, you mentioned before we were recording that a lot of people have actually been really sour on Mike Brown. Um, not sour on Mike Brown, but have have the criticisms have started to flow in a little. Um, I think, yeah, you mentioned that you were on air this morning and, and or yesterday. Yesterday you were on the morning show um, and said that Mike Brown, the the best thing Mike Brown has brought or the thing that stuck out the most is is just the general vibe and people have been upset at at um, just that essentially there's no results. It's all just vibe and talk. They want, they want the results They want now. you to believe, exactly. Um, I, I've I've honestly been really impressed. Like, I, I have not at all soured on Mike Brown. I, I'm i just more curious how he's going to have them bounce back for this. But Yeah, and, like, what I meant by that, too, On I mean, it's been three games, and I, I said it already on this podcast, I'll say it again, that the opening schedule was absolutely brutal, and that brutal. isn't that isn't trying to make – or throw a bandaid on it and say, "Hey, well, the Kings are, aren't expected to win because the schedule is hard." Like, no, they should go out and play hard every night and try to win. And they are; they're going to. Right. And my, what I mean by that is what I meant by the Mike Brown comment. Dave asked <laughs> me, right. "Like, what have you liked most about what Mike Brown's been doing?" It's like, well, I just like the general fact that everyone is is buying in, has bought in. They love Coach Brown. They they are behind him which we have not had a head coach in the past four or five years. The team has been 100% behind, right. maybe longer than that, probably since Michael Malone. So just the fact that, that there's not that toxicity of everything in the locker room, in practice, training camp, it was clean. The Kings have competed in each game they have played so far. Mm-hmm. The free throw shooting has been horrendous. The three-point shooting has been pretty good, except for against Golden State. Yeah. So there are some things that, that stick out. Even though it's in three games, but what we can't sit here after three games, we can't do is sit here after three games and say nothing has gotten better. Mike Brown's not doing anything. Uh, Harrison Barnes isn't going to turn it around. Which am I concerned? Sure, but my point is, it's a small sample size, and it's good that Kings basketball is back. But a lot remains to be seen. I think I, I remembered, I did remember this morning that New Orleans started last year. What like? One I have it written down. They uh, they started one and twelve last year, and they made the the actual playoffs. Uh, yes, they finished the season thirty six and forty six, and as the ninth seed. And wow. then I believe they they did win the play in game and uh, made 
the they played against uh they play the, the one Suns, I think. Right? Yeah. They played against Phoenix. Yeah, they did. Yeah, cuz Jose Alvarado gave Chris Paul fits. Last season left. Right. And actually, you know, while while I have that list in front of me, I do have I I looked up cuz I was curious how how bad this could get and yet still be turned around. So I looked at last year's Western Conference uh and the the play-in teams, the fringe teams, uh, just to see how they started the season to see uh, to see if we have some hope still. The Grizzlies started off the season six and seven, finished fifty-six and twenty-six. I don't know if that's going to be in our bag, but exactly. <laughs> uh, the San Antonio Spurs started off the season four and nine, won thirty-four games, lost forty-eight, finished as the ten seed. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who the Kings have kind of likened themselves to this year, trying to be last year's Timberwolves, kind of just like have a whole organizational flip of garbage and now you're a playoff team. Uh the T Wolves started last season four and nine, finished forty six and thirty six, finishes the seven seed. So when I look ahead here and I see Memphis, Miami, at Charlotte, at Miami, at Orlando, at Golden State, Cleveland, Lakers, Golden State, and then Brooklyn, I think the Kings could get three to four wins out of that. You know, there's there's the Charlotte game, which, again, a lot of this, too, is you need to take care of business, which is, to me, what makes the, the, the Blazer game so disappointing is you need to win the games uh, that you should win in order to be who you should be. Uh, but also you need to take a random, I think you mentioned yesterday when we were talking, like a random game against Miami. They always seem to perform well against Miami. Steal one of those games. Can you steal one of these three Warrior games, maybe? Can you uh, catch Cleveland off guard? Obviously, you should beat a team like Orlando. You should beat the Lakers. Um, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, if, if they don't take care of business in that sense, that's when I'll start worrying. Well, you have to win games. I mean, that's pretty, that's, that's, that's you know, pretty simple. Yeah, you you got to make shots and you got to win in, games. In the game of basketball, you will be measured by your wins, yep. and you have to play to win the game. That is the right. whole point. And they're going to have to find some wins here. And the first three, tough. Should have beat Portland on opening night. Right. But I predicted one and two over the first three. They're 0-3. Not that big of a difference. Not that big of a deal. 79 games to go. Uh, that being said, looking at the general state of where things are right now, the rotation, who's been standing out, who's been doing uh, well and poorly, um, I ask you, we talk about De'Aaron Fox. It's been kind of just start with him and kind of move on down the line. De'Aaron Fox is saying, okay, I'm looking at last year's season. I was horrible. Uh, he noted that he came in really bulky. He added up to, I think, 15 pounds and 20 pounds of muscle last year. He was at 200 pounds. He said in, uh, I think, a piece of Sam Amick that he came in this year back to 185. He looks more lean. And he's playing better. So I think what he was trying to say was, and you're smiling about it, do you not buy that No, I was just weight? laughing about his weight just in general. With that he's 185? 185 and 200 pounds. It's just different. It's just different. These guys are built different. They're built different. They're built different. They're like... Are, it just doesn't, it's never made sense to me that like, yeah, Alex Len is like a seven footer, but he's like, whatever, he's listed at like 250 pounds. They like, just have like, like, there's like barely any body fat. Right. Like, they're just like complete. It's just, I don't know. Just doesn't make sense. No, but, sorry, go, uh, didn't mean to cut you. No, off. I mean, well, <laughs> think about that, that picture of De'Aaron Fox last year lifting weights. That was what got everybody yeah. talking. So, like that was what kind of started that conversation. But uh, he's in. He's lean. He's back to playing how he played. I think the year before last year, 
when he kind of came out. I think he averaged 24 that year. Are you encouraged or like do you believe his three-point shot is actually going to translate for the full year? Because over three games, he's taken seven attempts a game, 45%. That's not holding up. But he said he's with Draymond Green, he's aiming to shoot 34, 35%. Do you think that it's attainable? I do. I think the level of confidence at which he's at which he's shooting the ball right now is uh, something we've seen seen before from him, um, but not not this early in the season. Usually, he does struggle, and then he kind of finds his rhythm in the middle of the season, uh, and then you know he, he you know he kind of tails off a little towards the end of the year because he ends up picking up injuries and stuff. But um, I do think that this is a legitimate. I don't know if he's going to be taking. Um, you know, I, seven. I, you know, yeah, seven. I think he took nine threes in the uh, in the Clipper game. Um, I I don't know if he'll be shooting it at that kind of clip, but I think it's nice, especially early in the season, to kind of establish that part of your game because that's something that uh, you know, you can you can take moving. It's it's a lot. You know, at the beginning of the year, if you're shooting well from three, people are going to treat you different from the start of the year instead of you know, kind of having to earn that respect throughout the year. And then people are like, all right, let's step out on him. So if De'Aaron can establish that early, he's led the team in scoring all three games this year. Um, I think it's just, if it's even possible, it's just going to open up his offense even more. And I think we're going to see a lot more of those 30-point performances that we've seen. How do you feel about it? Good for that, like what you just said, it's going to open up his offense. Because when you think about the fact that Defenses have not respected De'Aaron Fox on the perimeter. They literally are kind of giving it the energy of let him shoot. It's almost like let him shoot energy because mm-hmm. he shot, I think, what, like 29%, 28% last year from three. Guys aren't going to be coming at you with those quick closeouts. But if they start coming after him, De'Aaron's going to start blowing by guys that are in the closeout. He's going to catch them on their flat foot. He's going to get to the basket more than times than not and take advantage of those defenses. And that's something that I think can be very, very useful to him if he can keep that shot going. And I don't think he's going to be shooting 45% from three. Doubtful. Uh, Very doubtful. But 33% to me is like the number I'm hoping for, which is not even really a good three-point percentage. But for De'Aaron Fox, I think that would be among the best he's ever done. I think he shot – he did have a year where he shot 37% from three. Again, he didn't even take three attempts per game. That was in 2018, 2019. That was like his breakout season uh, with – the scores are here, Kings, but I, I'm encouraged by his shot. It looks good. One thing I've noticed is he's not floating anymore mm-hmm. on his shot, which he used to float all right. the time. He'd go into the paint and he'd get a jumper off and he'd be kind of floating backwards or sideways. He's going straight up. The shot looks good. Uh, he looks like he has that just that total confidence in his game. And that's huge. That's going to be a difference maker for the right. Kings. If it's, he's playing well, they're going to play well. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I'm actually looking right now at his uh, just his, his shooting splits. And eight of his nine threes have been assisted on. I don't have – I need to get second spectrum, honestly, because I need to see like his catch-and-shoot actual numbers. But to me, that tells me that it has been a lot of catch-and-shoot for him. And um, that's – I mean, that that's the start of it. That is the start of being a good shooter. you got to be able to set your feet – get it off the couch and shoot it. But once he if he can develop that off the dribble shot, uh the off the dribble three, I think that's especially where we'll see his game grow, but uh if he can be even a spot up shooter at a 38% clip, like that's again something else that can make him more value cuz off ball that's that's been a huge problem for him. I mean, that's that's a big reason why uh the Tyrese Halliburton thing didn't work out was cuz DeAaron couldn't play off ball and you couldn't really spot him up because he wasn't a threat, but 
Uh, if if he can if he can be good off the catch and shoot this year again, that's just another thing that can make this offense even more explosive. Which which I mean they they've played really really good offense so far. I think uh, you know obviously if we want to kind of get into those who have struggled, it's been disappointing to see what Demonis Sabonis has done um, at the start of the season. Which also kind of sounds crazy because he's putting up twelve. I think the other, I mean, the, against the Warriors, yeah. he had 19, 14, and 7. The but, Clippers, though, he had 11, 10, 7, I right. think. And I think in the Blazer game, he had like 11 and, and 4. 4, right. He had yeah. 4 rebounds, but. Which that can't happen. Right. But. That can't happen from your second best player for sure. But if you're looking at centers around the league, like, you'll you'll take that a lot of nights. So, yeah. it, you know, it's it's good to know that Demon, that we haven't seen many bad Sabonis games. And if these are bad Sabonis games. I mean, you know, obviously I would still like him to do better, but it's not that bad. <laughs> well, if, if Mike Brown put him back in the game against Golden State, exactly. and I think he played only 22 minutes, he finished with 19, 14, and 4. If he gets 10, 11 more minutes of playing time, we're talking about a 2020, right. you know, maybe triple-double. Right. Like So he, he looked like he kind of tapped back into his game. Also a huge positive was he was 7 of 8 from the line. He's someone, him and Fox... Not to go back to the free throws, I want to make sure I stay on Sabonis, but the, you, you cannot have three players on your floor in Sabonis, Barnes, who is shooting like 50% from the free throw line right now, and he's 80% from his career, and Fox, who's a 70% free throw shooter for his career. You can't have three guys on the floor at all times that are 70% free throw shooters. Just can't do it. You can't. And that doesn't even factor in the fact that Casey Paula started last game. Uh, played four minutes, sure, but he's not a free throw shooter either. So... Sabonis tapped back into that. He looked like himself. I'm very encouraged by that. It was definitely a bummer to see him come out of the gate and put up four rebounds. That was you're excited all season long, all off season long to see Fox and Sabonis in action. And Sabonis comes out and puts up his lowest rebounding total over the past year. So uh, looked like himself, but I'm not concerned about him. Who I am concerned about. Mm. Pretty much the only player on the Kings I will say I'm like legitimately concerned about and like really watching it with a close eye is a player that you you know near and dear to your heart, Harrison Barnes. He has looked like a like the Monstars sucked his powers. Like a, he looks like he's lost. How do you feel? I mean, you have a look on your face. I'd like to know what are your thoughts about Harrison Barnes? Are you panicked? Are you just give it to me? What do you got? I just. I don't. I I don't even know how how on the record I've been about my feelings about Harrison Barnes, but um, this is just an extreme version of what he does. Like he's always been an incredibly inconsistent player, not to this level. I mean, he had four points in the Warrior game on one shot. Um, the other day he had ten points. I think he was like two of twelve or something like that. He's been really, really, really bad and has looked incredibly disinterested. Even if you include the preseason, um, he just hasn't put together a good game uh, this year. And it is incredibly concerning for sure because he's always been somebody who's let the game come to him, uh, but he's always found his spots. And it doesn't seem like he's even really looking uh, to, to get shots up. I'm looking right now at... Field goal attempts per game right now, he's eighth on the team. Behind Terrence Davis, behind Davion Mitchell, uh, just in front of Trey Lyles. That just can't happen. I mean, Harrison is supposed to be this team's third best player. 
like point blank period. He is he is on this roster. He's the I think he f- is finally the third highest played paid player on the team and not the highest paid player on the team. But um, he is is supposed to be giving this team uh, a lot more than what he is, and it's not just you know offensively where he struggled. Defensively, he has not done much of anything either. He's been very much just blah and. I can't believe that I actually kind of find myself feeling like I need to defend Harrison, but I think I'm pretty confident he's going to turn it around. I don't think that he just all of a sudden forgot how to play basketball. I think, uh, you know, like he didn't have any major injury. You know, usually if you see this kind of fall off from somebody, it's because they're just not athletically the same person. But this is a guy who's 30 years old does not have extensive playoff minutes that have worn his body down. He has not been in the playoffs for the past four or five years. Um, there's really just – there's honestly no excuse because I've, I have know I've mentioned this. He's in a contract year this year. Like, his contract is up. He's 30 years old. This is his last big opportunity for a payday. It just doesn't make any sense to me why he would come out this unag- – his unaggressive a word? Uh, this um, timid? This sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just unaggressive. The honestly, English is, vocabulary is expanding right. every day. Right, right. Like, literally, Merriam-Webster adds words, like, every day, don't they? I think so. Yeah. Miriam's going crazy. Miriam. <laughs> Shout uh, out, Miriam. Harrison Barnes, three games, seven points per game, 5.7 rebounds, 0.7 steals. He's shooting 36% from the field, 0% percent from a three he has not made a three-pointer Harrison Barnes was the King's best three-point shooter last year after the the Halliburton Buddy Hill trade best three-point shooter nearly 40 percent from three last year he has not made a three-pointer and hit the free throw percentage 53 he's an 80 percent career free throw shooter you know I just looked Sabonis and Barnes are taking the same amount of threes per game I think I saw you put a tweet up last game, and it it made me me and James <laughs> Yo, me and James Ham both were laughing. Really, <laughs> I want I don't want to hear another thing about Lethal Shooter ever again, ever again, <laughs> ever. Like all summer, all we saw was hype videos. Obviously, everyone was super excited. Sabonis is working with Lethal Shooter. Working with Lethal Shooter, there was gym workouts of him running to half court and New then running mellow. to the three point line, putting up the three. Nailing it, nothing but net, running back to the half court. Like, like, oh my God, like, this is like in game fatigue. Like, he's knocking these things down, wet ball. And it's, it's been bad. I think he airballed a three against the Golden State. He completely missed think, it. Yeah, right. I, I didn't even see it, but like, it fell like a foot short. He, he had I literally, I think he had five full seconds to get his feet set, find the seams in the ball, and let it fly. And he, he completely. The ball actually didn't make it to the rim. Right, that's what I was looking down when this happened. Someone, a Warriors player, caught the ball underneath the basket. It was like the kick six in the Auburn-Alabama game. It didn't even make it to the crossbar. It just like caught it in the end zone. Sick like, reference. Thank you. Your reference Your is out of control. Sick. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows that. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been bad. Again, three games. Sabonis extending his game would be great. I just think that now that Keegan Murray's emerging, and if Harrison Barnes right. can break out of his slump, you have Kevin Herter. You don't really need him to shoot three pointers. And I know that big, like bigs in the NBA nowadays, like they all want to shoot the three. Yes, you're talking about Sabonis. I thought you were talking about HB. I was like, I no, still like him. Too. No, oh, he should take threes. Yeah. Still, <laughs> they need him to take threes. Right. But Sabonis, like the, the, Sabonis, taking the threes. Yes. Like I don't think we really need that. Um, 
Harrison Barnes, I guess to end it with him before we move on, uh, I am not really all that concerned. If we get like 10 more games into the season and we're talking about like a 10, 15 game sample size. Right. Yeah. And he's averaging like nine points per game on 40% from the field and 28 from three. I'll be concerned. That's a good amount of games, and I just don't think it's going to go that way. I think this team's still kind of trying to figure out their identity and who has what role. And Harrison Barnes' role this year, it's not what it was last year. I think we're going to see Keegan Murray kind of taking over that, you know, taking the, the mantle. He's he's the next three of it, the Kings' future. It definitely feels that way. It feels like Keegan is, and you know, yeah, I feel like Keegan, this is going to happen a lot. Keegan's going to take over a lot of conversations that we have this year. I just think, like, yeah, Keegan is, I think pretty soon they're going to be running a lot of plays for Keegan. And, and I have not, that's been honestly a really impressive thing to me about uh, what Keegan's done so far is it the team's not really running uh, a lot of you know sets for him to get wide open threes. It's all just kind of happened in the flow of the offense. Speaking of Keegan Murray, yes, great transition. Yeah, well, we'll see. Keegan Murray has played two games so far. His debut was was you know one of the more fun Kings games I've had I've had to watch in recent memory. Even though the Kings lost uh, against the Clippers. Just to kind of pull it up here, he had was it 19 points, 19 points on seven of ten shooting, three of six from the field, five boards. Uh, obviously, the Kings go to Golden State, they lose Keegan Murray though. He he struggled a little bit that game. Uh, I think he he shot, I believe he was what like seven of sixteen from the field or something like that. Yeah. Um, what what do you are you? I don't really know how to word how to phrase this. Let me let me tee yeah, it up correctly for you. Think about it. Think about it. I guess I'll just kind of make it simple. Has he exceeded your expectations? I think we saw him in summer league. We saw him in preseason. Has he exceeded your expectations, or is this kind of what you came to expect from him? Did you come to expect him to be that? Right now it's 17 points per game. Right. Do you think that's something that he can keep doing, or do you think that he's kind of having just a hot start? Man. Oh. You want me to say this, don't you? Oh, boy. <laughs> I think this is just the beginning. Like I said, I really don't think they're really like seeking him out offensively. It does feel like you know, especially in that second unit, uh, which he he might not be a part of for for much longer. But uh, it it just kind of feels like they're not you know he he is not uh, the focus of of the attention uh, for for the Kings uh, in that second unit. For him to be at seventeen and a half points through two games. Not, I mean, he did have 38 minutes against the Warriors, which is which was the most on the team. But side note, leading the Kings in points per game, minutes per game, right? Right. Now. Excuse right. me. Yeah. Um, at, yeah. At 35 and a half, which I think Mike Brown said at the moment he wants to get him between 30 and 34. I think is what he said, or something like that. To those keeping score at home, Casey Akpala has averaged 12 minutes right. per game. Right. Um. Yeah, I th- I think this is just the start for Keegan. I think he might probably land at around 16 to 17 points a game with how he's played so far, but um, eight threes. I, I am surprised. Well, I guess, he's again, he's only played two games, and I'm surprised to find that he's taken eight a game because it really hasn't even felt like that. He, I want him taking more, as a matter yeah. of fact. like It really does feel like every single time he shoots the ball, it's going in, and so I would just like to really test that theory and see how many threes this guy can take before he really starts missing them at, uh, you know, until he gets to around 40% or so, because he's at 44% right now. And again, I don't think that the Kings have really been, been setting him up in the, in the 
most opportune ways to find threes. Yeah, he just looks, again, he stays within himself. He isn't trying to to force. He's taking good shots. He has a mid-range game, which I know the mid-range is kind of becoming extinct right. in the NBA nowadays, but he has like a turnaround mid-range game that kind of, I, I said it earlier, reminds me of like Rudy Gay. Mm-hmm. Like he kind of just can get create his own offense that way. He's not great off the dribble yet. I don't think he really needs to do that that much, though, like, or you hope he won't have to with Fox running the show and Sabonis, you know, he gets his assist too. Um, but the, the shot looks so good. And I was telling you earlier, it reminds me of we've had all these rookies come in or players come in, and every time they shoot the ball, you think oh, you just get excited. Like when Ben McLemore used to take threes, I think right. a lot of us would get really excited because he thought it was going to go in every right. time. That didn't happen. Nick Stauskas came in as like a shooter. He was the guy that, oh, here's the YouTube video. He hit, <laughs> he hit like 300 Whoa, in a row. <laughs> you just unlocked such like a deep memory that I completely forgot about, and I watched that video multiple times. I was so excited of, of him shooting. In the shooting rain, too, wasn't it? On his driveway. Yeah. I was like excited because of the king. The, it's an NBA player we're talking about. The Literally king. getting like passes from his dad. On his driveway, <laughs> and we were trying to hype it up, right. like I was to my friends. He had three hundred, or it was something stupid like that. <laughs> this is different. This man, Keegan Murray, when he squares up for a three, and you think it's going in. So far from everything we've seen in summer league, preseason, regular season, the man's a shooter. And every time he does shoot, there is a good chance. More than not, it's going to go in. And I think you're right. I think it's just the beginning. I think he's going to become more of a focal point of the offense. Defenses are going to adjust. But that's going to free somebody up. And the Kings, Kevin Herter's looked good over the first couple of games. I was just about to say, man, you said knocking down shots, and that was Kevin Herter. Yeah, Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter's looked good. Malik Monk needs to get going. Uh, but the fact that King Murray is going to be with this team for the foreseeable future has me very excited right now. Right. Just the beginning. Right. It is just the beginning. Um, where do we want to take? Have we touched well, on just about everything? I guess we can just talk. I guess as a whole, we can talk about the rest of the shooting. Um, we'll just kind of group Kevin Herter and Malik Monk right. together. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Kevin Herter had a great debut. I mean, he hit six threes. The next night, hit five. Uh, that was against the Warriors. That tied his career long of games with consecutive games with five or more three point field goals. Two, by the way. two tied his career long. <laughs> Something tells me he'll break that. I think he'll break that. Uh, Kevin Herter, though, three games shooting forty eight from three. He's taken eight attempts per game. Um, he's been really great in the starting lineup. I think that I. The biggest thing with him is defense. He needs to keep showing that on, on his end of the floor. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Harrison Barnes keeps struggling. This is, again, that break glass in a case of emergency mm, situation. Say it, Frank. Say it. We could see a lineup. Say it. We could see a lineup where Kevin Herter's playing three, and HB is on the bench Oof. in place of Murray or Monk in there instead. Even though we didn't even talk about Keegan Murray, but he's going to start. He's going to start. Yeah, he'll probably start tomorrow on Thursday. I did not think that that would be a thing. We don't really need to have too much of a conversation. It's definitely a thing. Mike Brown, though, did concede that Keegan Murray is probably going to start. So we'll see what happens. Um, Malik Monk struggled. 30% from the field. 22, I'm sorry, 35 from three. He did have a good game against Golden State. He had four of ten threes. Uh, he needs to get going. The Kings' second unit as a whole needs to get going. Keegan Murray, if you take him out of the equation... There's nobody really bringing much positives to the table. Uh, TD's had his moments. I think that he is someone who could be in line for more playing time, too, if HB continues to struggle. He's looked good, but Malik Monk, not looked good. Davion Mitchell, really not looked good. Uh, Rashawn Holmes had a good game for the first time in six months on on Sunday. God. So, 
who are you most concerned about on the bench unit? Like, oh, Davion for sure. It's not even a question for me. Like it's it's Davion has looked really really bad offensively for me. Um almost to the point where like I'm I'm okay if he plays like 15 minutes to 20. I, 20 to me is like the max amount of minutes I'm willing to give him at this point. Uh he's just not what that second unit needs. Uh it he he's being honestly, I think my biggest issue with how he's played so far is just how aggressive he's trying to find his own shot. Uh, and the thing that stuck out to me in the Warrior game was how well Malik. I actually really liked Malik in in the Golden State game. He obviously it was a breakout game for him, and he actually had like I think it was sixteen, eight, and seven in that game. Uh, so I, you know, it's it's the backup playmaking that we really need, and that was supposed to be uh, a big part of Davion's role is to come in and be the point guard when De'Aaron Fox is out. Uh, but I think the big, that's the biggest weakness for this team right now is there's no backup playmaker. And so uh, if it's going to be Malik Monk, yeah, he had seven assists in that Warrior game, but Malik Monk really isn't known as a, as a ball mover. So if you're going to try and rely on Malik Monk to get five to seven assists coming off the bench, you're more than likely going to get a lot more nights where he – puts up a ton of shots if he has the ball in his hand that often. So Two assists per game for Malunk. For Malunk. Malunk. <laughs> Malik for Malunk. 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 Yeah, I like that. For Malik Monk over the course of his career, two assists per game. Right. So, so you know, he, he's got the ability to do it, but again, yeah, I don't want the ball in Malik Malik's hands that often and that much. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Davion to me has just – his offense hasn't been there. His defense has been good for sure. Uh, he got into really, really early tr- really early and really bad foul trouble in that Warrior game. That's been uh, bad trouble for – I mean, it's been a problem for everybody, really. Right, I mean, right. They've struggled all every game in, in defending aggressively without fouling. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think – I think that the – I've de- been very unimpressed with Davion. The defensive intensity has been such a huge, like – it's been a point of a point of emphasis for Mike Brown on this new staff, and I think that the new the new players that are coming along too are kind of adjusting to it. But right now, though, the Kings in defensive rating twenty second out of thirty, not dead last. Last year they're twenty seventh, twenty eighth. We're twenty two right now. Uh, Is that that's closer to average than yes. the worst? Yes, <laughs> so, progress. It's like exactly right. It's like a, li- a little more, right. a little more a than little more average than worst. Twenty three would be like closer yes. to the worst. Exactly. We are now one place closer yep. to the middle. We're, we're baby steps, baby steps, seven from the middle. So on our way. Um, do you have anything else really stuck out to you over these first three games? I mean, again, I know it's been three games, and we we there's those are kind of the main storylines right now. De'Aaron Fox setting the world on fire. Keegan Murray. Been impressive. Harrison Barnes, bad. King's yeah. bench, bad. Free throw shooting, bad. <laughs> you could uh, say bad again for that one. 0-3, oh bad. Yeah. Free throws, bad. Yeah, there you go. Kind of put it at the end again. I think the the one thing that has stuck out to me um, that we haven't mentioned is like Mike Brown's constant coaching. Like... And obviously, I know people probably get upset because again we're zero and three, and it hasn't led to results. What has he done though? But this exactly, this guy is relentless. Like he is on their behinds the entire game. Like he does not let anything slip. We saw in the in the Clipper game, the dude almost ran out of timeouts with four minutes to go in the fourth 
because he just doesn't like if he sees something, he's going to say something. He's going to stop the game and make sure it gets corrected immediately. Uh, if you look at the side, if you ever, if, if anyone out there has the opportunity to go to the games, watch Mike Brown on timeouts or watch Mike Brown. Just, just watch him in general. You'll see him be incredibly expressive. You can tell when he doesn't like when something goes wrong, but he's also a couple times done this thing where he'll pull a player out of the game, like pull him next, talk with them for about two minutes and then put him back in. He did it with Terrence Davis the other day. Might have actually been Terrence Davis that he did it twice to. But he's done it twice so far this season. Um, just the amount of coaching that he's doing and the amount of accountability it seems that he's holding these guys to, it's either going to make or break them. That's how I feel. And it's that's where I'm interested to see with them struggling here, how they bounce back. It's either going to be a case of these guys, it finally gets through, they finally listen, they're they're tired of getting yelled at and they just know what they need to be doing and they do it or it's eventually going to really really piss them off and they're going to be like I really want this guy to get off my my behind and uh it could eventually end up being the the death of of the Mike Brown coaching tree but or coaching tree uh coaching experience but um just just the amount of coaching that Mike Brown has done is, has been impressive. No, it's been refreshing to see, you know, and I think that it's already been put out there by a couple people, but Mike Brown, after a media session, told us all to turn our cameras off last week, and we all went through it. He walked us through what right. they – not their game plans in their right. complete playbook, but what they are trying to do yeah, their concepts. on the defensive end and the offensive end. He walked us through it and explained to us so that us media members know what they are doing. That's why – when this happens, I call a timeout mm-hmm. 45 seconds into a game. Like, that's – what is it? Bro, you sorry. for the paint, We're having our building painted. And, oh, uh, someone just came in the window? just like – yeah, just slapped on the window. So oh, my God. I almost God. had a heart attack mid-podcast here. You thought something was, like, going to break into the building? I don't know what I – I wasn't sure what was going on with you. Are you okay? <laughs> scared the hell out of me. Oh, my God. Well, anyways, oh, anyways. <laughs> the last thing about Mike Brown, I, that was really cool. He walked us through the practice and everything. Very, very cool experience. Um, he needs to stop saying watch the tape. <laughs> well, it's such a triggering word. He like, says it's it a, a lot. Triggering phrase. People used to say the same thing about Luke. Like, it became a meme. No, that's why he's, Luke. that's right. what I mean. Like, right. people always, they're going to watch the it. tape yet. Yeah, they're going to meme it. it. Mike's such a nice guy, though, and just doesn't know about that. But, and he's probably friends with Luke. Well, they coached together, didn't the they? Thing. If two previous head coaches have said it, maybe it's a thing. Maybe who else, who else <laughs> watch the tape? Luke. Luke used to say it all the no, time. Is what I'm saying. Two. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I meant oh, yeah, Mike yeah, yeah. and and Luke. Uh, and maybe I'm sure just, Dave used to say watch. Maybe the tape it's a Steve time. thing. Steve the Golden thing? State Warriors coaching well, tree. I just I really think it's really benefit. Like I mean, you go we, you, you and I go to the games all the time. Is it not a much more not difficult, but like watching the game live is completely different than watching it on TV. I think you have a you benefit just, to watching on TV, in my absolute, honest I opinion. 100% agree with you. Like, 100%, I analytically can watch the game and t- like on TV and see what's happening, wait, and get even like a vibe, even like understanding what, like, how the game changed. It's just so quick and you miss things, right? And you get replays at home, right? You're, I mean, and yeah, you know, I'm watching Mike Brown on the sideline, and meanwhile, like, the game is happening, so yeah, it, you know, it's it, just it, a lot more distracting. I'm not, and I'm not gonna complain, I'm just saying, yeah. I, I <laughs> we think go to that too many games for road games, I think I get a, a way better 
And we haven't had a road game that right. we've watched in person mm-hmm. yet this season because we went to Golden State. But uh, I think those of you that watch at home see a lot more than a lot of us in the media row can see sometimes. So right. Maybe they do have some good insight, but uh, I'm getting off track. I'm just saying Mike Brown needs to stop saying it. <laughs> at least stop saying it. We get it. You have to watch tape. You have to watch film. It's making people, it'll probably trigger people. I think it's point. more of just like if you don't know how to answer a question, you're just like – I have to. I have to see it. Like I don't. I don't. There's so many things that happen. Yeah, I can't. And that's I gotta, fair. I gotta rewind. He's, and you wanna know why? Because he's also at the game, and it's very quick, and he does have to go. That's watch, exactly my point. Watch the tape. Yep. But we can call it the film, or like we can call it like the re- <laughs> okay, replay. Okay. Gotcha. So maybe yeah. Watch the the broadcast. Watch, watch the replay. The highlights. Right. Watch the gameplay. <laughs> Let me watch the lights. <laughs> I don't know if watching the tape would that's be uh, is going to be received well. Right. But. Anything else? First couple of games. I mean, do we want to do awards? We got to get out of Just here. Just quick, quick awards. Uh, sure. It's. I mean, we can say it at the same time. King of the week. King of the week. Oh, One, wow, I two, three. De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox. Fox. I mean, yeah, he's been ridiculous. And then our Cole Machine of the week. Do I? Do we even need to say it? Man, the the Corey Joseph Coke Machine. The Corey Joseph Derek Williams Coke Machine of the week <laughs> goes to. A man who might <laughs> might uh, earn a spot at the front of that that listing, Harrison Barnes. No, don't put him there. He's not. He is not boy, there yet. Boy, oh boy. Harrison Barnes has been good. <laughs> he's been king of the week multiple times. But he's actually. been he's been nothing but good since he came to Sacramento. I mean, if you look at just to end it here to give Harrison Barnes some respect, great locker room guy, a leader. Last year had the best year of his career, mind you, mind you, mind you. Get my my Boston talk on, mind you, buddy. Uh, 15 <laughs> points per game, five rebounds, 40% from three over his career at the Kings. So I'm sorry. He can't be put with Corey Joseph and Derek Williams. Right. Stop not yet. It. Not, not yet. We'll see. We'll he, see how long he this would goes have on. to really, really have a bad. Like, if he tanks, put Marco his Bellinelli value. on there too. Oh, gosh. Marco Bellinelli should be on the Coke machine. Right. Aaron Aflalo. Yeah, Aaron Aflalo. Oh, we can make a list. Right. You might need to make a graphic. Right. A Coke yeah, all the faces. A Coke machine power ranking. With all like the flavors, just yeah. pictures of <laughs> like Derek Williams, Aaron Flalo. Uh before we actually get out here out of here, I really want to shout out Tristan. Yes. Guy. Yes. Tristan. A fan uh of, of the pod from Australia. We got to hang out with him yes. at a couple of games this week. He came all the way out from Australia to watch the Sacramento Kings, which is a crazy sentence to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it should make Kings fans feel good that there are people all over the country and world, not country, world. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If there, people, there might be more people watching the Kings outside of the United States than in it, honestly. That's the goal. Um, so, Tristan, it was great hanging out with you, man. It was. Tristan was super cool. He uh, informed us a lot about Aussie culture and, like, uh, the Aussie sports scene, uh, which was – Super informative. Yes. I had no idea about a lot of it. Uh, also, apparently, NFL is very big in Australia. Yeah, NFL, and uh, and apparently, any NBA players that are from Australia are yes. like gods over there. We say Patty Mills. Patty Mills was number one. Del Vadova. Delhi. He said uh, Matisse Thibel. Yep. Very big. Ben Simmons. Like eh. Yeah. And then uh, I think Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines. And uh, our boy uh, Londale. Yeah, Jock. From, uh, from, uh, Jock. Who plays on the on the Phoenix Suns and gave us absolute buckets in the preseason. Cook the Kings. Young Larry Bird. Uh, yeah. So uh, shout out Tristan for making that trek, man. I yes. mean, like that's that's that, real dedication. That is not. That is quite a trek, and he's going to do it. I think every year he was talking about. Um, but anyone else out there that's not from 
right here. We'd love to hang out with you too. Please, yes. Talk uh, kings. I'm trying to get one from every continent. That's the goal. Yeah, that would be nice. If, if, it, if I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if there's any. Yeah, like uh, Antarctica. I was gonna say there's. Yeah, Antarctica might be a little. Oh, is that is that a continent? True, that's a continent, right? Well, same as seven, yeah, right? Well, Kerry, uh, North America, North South America, America. America. I'm just gonna go Africa, Africa, Europe, Europe, right? Asia, Asia, Australia is one. Antarctica, Antarctica. Are we missing one? Is India a country? No, India is a country, not a continent. Con- yeah, country. I I said country. I meant continent. I think that's them, right? Yeah. Real quick. Right. The other day on the uh, on the post game live time, stream, guys. I was trying to count. Uh, by the way, yeah. After after every game, yeah, we got right. Sports 1140 is doing a uh, post game live stream on our YouTube page. I'm just filling air here, uh, and I was trying to count how many points the Kings have lost by this season. Don't don't try and do math live on air. I think I got it right, but like, there was a lot bad. of pressure. Lot of pressure to get simple addition, simple right? arithmetic, right? Who would have figured it? Honestly, out? I'm seven, I'm seven better continents. at that. Wait, what? Seven continents? Yeah, it's so it's Australia, but it's called Oce- Oceania, Oce- Oceania, Oceania. This is exactly what I was talking I about. Bro. I don't know how to say the this. I don't know how to say this. I'm sorry. It's never, I've never been taught Oceania, Oceania, Oceania. but it includes Australia, <laughs> Melanesia, Polynesia. Melanesia. It's just like all these kind of like areas. Melanesia. I don't know this. I I took geography <laughs> as a freshman in, in college, like right. eight years ago. So I don't know. So I wasn't sure if this is like a planet situation where it's like you know, or like a vowel where it's a e i o u sometimes y or whatever the extra vowel. I think you is. got it. And like <laughs> e? the, you know, it's like is Pluto a planet kind of thing? Like it's is not. Australia a planet or planet? <laughs> Jesus. Well, that's like that's Let's a trick question. Up. Like when we play right. like uh, a game, I can't say what the game is, but the game where like it's like categories you know gotcha and gotcha. it's named countries gotcha or continents whatever yeah and i say i always will say australia for either or because it's both right. people will be like well wait a minute it's not right someone will get it's not a country or it's on a continent it's both right technically boom roasted you learn something new every day we're idiots um <laughs> yeah, that's what i learned people are just like people are, someone out there is like actually angry <laughs> listening to this chris is dying Oh man! Someone out there is listening to this, saying, "Wow, these guys are so stupid, so dumb. Like, who gives so them jobs? Dumb. These guys are idiots." <laughs> so yeah, well, maybe you're right. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Our parents love us. Um, all right. I think we're good. Yeah, we got to get out of here because our yeah, afternoon show has a production meeting in yep. here. Uh, yeah, that's about it. The Kings are zero three. Thursday uh, against Memphis. Thursday against Memphis. Fox against Morant. Yep, that'll be a good one. They both are like having pretty identical starts right. of a season. Looking at those numbers. Big Spider-Man memes pointing yes. at each other, you know. They, uh, that was the big debate a couple of years ago. Right. And then... In my opinion, Jaw has... Oh, it's not a competition. Ascended it's not a, way, way past that point. I made that I joined Matt's podcast during the summer, and I made that point. And I was like, obviously, John Morant has leaped over De'Aaron Fox. couple people, kind of, kind of delusional, like, really are like, what are you talking about? Like, how has John Morant... Like, just... Please, yeah. People it's, can think I'm sorry. that it's it's not a debate, and I have numbers here. Like Dearon has killed Jaw every time in their one on ones. I mean, they're three and three in terms of like actual win loss. But uh, Fox has outscored Jaw five of six times, averaged four more points a game in their head to heads, gotten two steals a game. Um, he's just every time they've gone head to head, Fox has been better, and it's almost like he elevates his game when he goes against Jaw. 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Jaw had 49 the other night against Houston, and uh, he's he's just – he's different. Well, this could be something we see for a long time to come. I mean, De'Aaron's under contract. Jaw's under contract. Uh, De'Aaron 24, Jaw 23. This could be a, a big Western Conference rivalry. And they both are averaging 34 points, like in seven assists this year on 50% shooting. So we're going to see – This is like the new Darren Williams, Chris Paul thing. Okay. Except let's hope De'Aaron ends up longer career than – Aaron Williams. But. Anyway, sorry. All right. <laughs> sorry, rough way to end it. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, so before we go to study, I am Chris Watkins. Uh, oh, I have things to plug. Uh, yes. Saturday, again, 11 a.m., uh, Kings Weekly on Sacktown Sports Live. That'll be like a pregame YouTube show, channel. pretty much. Pretty much, right. Have, we have so Kings Heat. Yeah, I believe pregame, the game night starts at 1230, so I think you'll have like a 30-minute break, 130. So, hour and a half. So, I'm going to go from 11 to 12. Again, that'll be on Sacktown Sports 1140, actual terrestrial radio, uh, AM 1140, If for those who have AM in their car still. Uh, or YouTube. Or YouTube. Uh, we are also live streaming every single episode on YouTube. Uh, that goes, that's great because right after, if, if you miss it or if you miss any, any part of it, you have to hop in late. You can rewind it back and, uh, you know, technology is great. So, I, I would definitely recommend going on youtube i can then also see you know my numbers get bigger and then i can uh, flex to our boss nick cattles that i am the true king of radio at this station (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah be sure to check that out and uh frank you can uh, read his articles at sacktownsports.com is that right sacktownsports.com yes sacktownsports.com uh also please be sure to uh send frank your 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 wishes, or your, not your wishes, you're not a genie, uh, your condolences, Yes, because uh, Frank's favorite thing has died. The New York uh, Yankees, you're, which you're wearing a hat of right now. I, I, don't, know why, I, I, don't, know, I don't know why you're doing this to me. <laughs> it, it's, it, it fit. It worked with my outfit. So. Whatever, man. Yeah, RIP to the Yankees. Let's R. go, let's go Yankees. Phillies, huh? Let's go Phillies, please. Everyone root for the Phillies. No one wants to see the Astros. Let's get, a, let's get Reese Hoskins, Sacramento right. State. Yes, there we go. And, you know, Dusty. Dusty already has a ring from a right. as a player, right. though. Right. I would much rather have Reese. Sac State Price. Sac State's on top of the world right now. So, uh, yeah, let's get more Sac State, uh, Sac State Pride going. Dusty does have a World Series ring. He is one as a player. Right. 81. Let's go Reese Hoskins. Right. Let's go let's Sac go State. Reese. Stingers up. Stingers up. Uh, right. For Frankie Cardicelli. Uh, I am Chris Watkins. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Bye.